you can come home to this body and you can be attached to this body and attachment is good and your weight is good. You're allowed to carry weight in this world. And that phrase, that one phrase, I think summarizes almost everything that I do with everybody I work with. Hi, I'm Nita. Welcome to Ask Me About Yoga Therapy, where we explore the profession of yoga therapy, one practitioner at a time. Okay, people, buckle up. Today is Lisa Patterson Day, and she is all about exploring the bumps in the road. Her website, lisapattersonyoga.com, one T, is linked in the episode notes. Just do yourself a favor and sign up for the newsletter. Every week, she sends out beautiful notes that leave me wondering about the invisible rules I have for myself, what is wellness, what is good enough, the everyday heavy. She is very okay with ambiguity, which is perhaps why she's so skillful at supporting people living with chronic illness, cancer, or life doing its own thing. I know her through the School of Embodied Yoga Therapy and our shared friend, Anne Pittman, who she mentions at some point, and I think that's all you need to get started. Let's go. Mostly, I'd say in the work that I do, it's mostly to help people understand that they're probably not doing it all wrong, that they're not doing life wrong, that they're not wrong. I'd say that's mostly what I do, is help people understand that. And I use movement and meditation practices to do that, and it so happens that um, you know, that, uh, a lot of the movement and meditation practices that I've learned come out of the yoga tradition, not all, but some not wrong. That is so interesting. So what are people coming to you with? Uh, let's see. So all kinds of things. So I work with, um, well, you know, already that I'm connected to what was formerly the Ottawa Integrative Cancer Center and is now called the Center for Health Innovation. And so a lot of people have heard about me through that. And so there are people who are living with cancer who might come, you know, to work with me in groups or privately. Um, but the work of that center has expanded beyond cancer and to include not only people living with cancer, but also people who have all kinds of different chronic conditions. And so um, through that, and then just through other venues, people have found me with other kinds of stuff. I work with people with um, neuromuscular disorders. I work with people with um, other kinds of chronic conditions like fibromyalgia. And really it feels like to me nowadays, especially, um, it's, it's just people who are trying to live their life and survive the world, you know? So that could be all kinds of things that could have to do with anxiety. It could have to do with depression. So a lot of mental health type of stuff. So I think that what is very funny about speaking with you is I have to work very hard to not ask you a hundred different things at once. <laughs> so just I'm trying ask me them so all. hard ask me all to the stay on task. Ask me them <laughs> so. all. I am still very intrigued by this idea, especially after you've described what some of these people are holding and carrying, that they still come to you thinking they might be doing something wrong, as opposed to uh, looking at the circumstances of their chronic illness or their cancer and saying, hey, um, it's that's what's wrong. And maybe I'm doing as the best I can in this space. Can you talk to me a bit about yes. that? I, that's such a wild thing. I know it is. And it's actually, I have a lot. I also feel like I'm starting to go bing, 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 bing. I could go in many different directions here. So the one thing I will say, and I was just thinking about this, why was I going to, 
I think I was preparing for something in particular related to a particular group, but I was thinking about in particular folks living with cancer. So this, this extends beyond that, but I was thinking about that because it is so true culturally that there's still a lot of messages around, if only you eat well, and if you meditate, and if you learn to do these breath practices, and if you learn X, Y, and Z and do X, Y, you will heal yourself or go into remission or not die or something. Like there's something about that culturally that says that really, if you were, you know, yes, yes, but really if you're on top of this, you would never have gotten cancer in the first place or you would be healed. And that's, you know, endemic to the society, I'd say beyond cancer, but it certainly shows up in the cancer communities. Like it's a weird thing to say cancer community, but people who are living with cancer or working with cancer. I mean, we're going to all have burdens, of course, but we don't have to necessarily carry that additional burden of assuming that this is happening to me because Mm. I'm just not as good a human as that other person who's now healthy and well for some reason. Tell me what you think might be some of the biggest misunderstandings about yoga therapy. I'm going to tread on, on thin ice here because what I'm about to say is the way that, that, that many yoga therapists, I think, do work. So it's just that it's not the way that I work. So I think one of the things that happens sometimes when people kind of um, come towards me is they assume that I'm going to give them, they're going to tell me I have this, and then I'm going to give them a sequence of, of movements to do and to go away with, and it's going to cure their mm-hmm. thing. Now that's super simplified and maybe it's dismissive or inconsiderate. I don't know. I'll have to think about that, but, but I think there is something about that prescriptive model, maybe because we live in a, in a Western medical model society, mostly where that's kind of the way it happens. I'm sick. I go to the doctor, he gives me a prescription. I get better. Like there's sort of that model. And obviously there's lots of us who are outside of that model and lots of us who see something beyond and bigger than that. And of course, thank God for our healthcare system in emergency situations, right? We all know that. So yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of what I do privately as well as in groups is, is um, create an environment, at least this is my hope, where people can, even in the moment, make choices so that I'm not telling them what to do, but they are making choices about how to, how to proceed. And what a fascinating thing to explore at a time when um, healthcare is asking for patient-centered care, and yet the other piece is that, yes, it might be patient-centered, but the patient maybe isn't accustomed to inquiring what their self wants throughout that care. Yes. Yes. And that's, and it's, you know, and it goes beyond listen to your body. Like we hear that all the time, right? I think there's that, that catchphrase in yoga classes and circles, but listen to your body, but people haven't been taught how the hell you can possibly do that and how, what layers might come up and what might, how that might go and what, you know, how, what happens then if something comes up and it feels unmanageable or too big, like how are there ways to ground and be, you know, so it's. Yeah, that is fascinating. I think of children who's listening to their body is so often bad manners. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's our, absolutely. that's what we've been taught, right? Like whatever you do, sit still and don't listen to what, you know, you have to pee too bad. It's yeah. Are you time, passing right? gas, which is normal? No, also. Be quiet and be still. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're taught. And that's a lot of, I would say that actually has a lot to do with my work. Most of my work as well, that, the depatterning, 
you know, around, around beginning to notice um, um, patterns of behavior that have been encouraged in us from an early age, maybe strictly through our immediate family circle, but probably through the cultural, um, the social environment. And not that it's all bad, right? And not that it's all pointless and not that we have to throw it all away, but some of it might be overused or have created a situation where we're now stuck in a certain pattern of being. And so, and it's, it can be really very practical too. Like a lot of the stuff that I do um, in my, when I'm doing movement practice and also any other kind of meditative practice has to do with softening through the jaw, you know, and softening around, well, you know, you know all the softening around the eyes. And my favorite line from you, I, I actually credit you for this when I say this is, um, freeing yourself from the social requirements in your face. Yes. I love that so much. Isn't that good? So good. It's so good. So good. So like, you don't have to smile, you know, you don't have to make eye contact. And that's really like those, those kinds of deep patterning or shredding of particular patterning is really important culturally, but it's also important in the, in the smaller culture of our yoga circles, because there's been a lot of encouragement and for, you know, always, it's not about intention. We know that there's an intention of goodness out of these, but there's been a lot of encouragement. Certainly when I was taking classes and, and doing my training of smiling, you know, mm-hmm. okay. Now the final, and the final part of this pose is just to lift the lower, lift the corners of your, of your face. And so I'm like, why, why are we asking all these women in particular to smile? Yeah. You know, so that, so that we're performing that for someone else. So it's just that, that's, you can get me going for an hour on that. Let me tell you, we could do another podcast on that. I am resisting also. I want to ask, cause you started um, maybe mm-hmm. tell me a bit about your psychology background, which you, I think of as a very headspace thing, and then how you came to this more fully, um, your whole brain can be part of that brain, your whole body can be part of that brain equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was that journey for you? Yeah. So you may want, you might have to tell me, even though I snooped a bit about you and have asked you about this before, what your education background is and how it uh, evolved. Yeah without an evolutionary bias in there. <laughs> <laughs> evolutionary bias. So I, um, my, I was first a psychotherapist before I was ever a yoga therapist, before ever I was ever a yoga teacher. So that was my first training. So I did a, you know, a bachelor degree and then I did my master's in counseling psychology at McGill. And it was very headspacey, headspacey. And, and it's interesting because there are some more body-based psychotherapy, you know, um, modes now like Hakomi and stuff, but that was not a part of what I did. And what I did was very much like, I think about it now and the body did not appear, did not make an appearance in any of my lectures, studies, like it just did not exist. It was very interesting now that I think about it. And I think that's probably true for most um, I would say that's still probably true for most trainings, um, psychotherapy trainings. Now, I think mm-hmm. that's changing. I think there's a lot of overlap and interlap in the worlds, you know, um, of like mindfulness has sort of bridged the gap. And then this unified mind- mindfulness has brought in more sensory experiences and those come into, um, you know, psychotherapeutic techniques now. So, but when I was studying, I graduated in the early nineties and that did not exist. None of that was part of the thing. Mm-hmm. And so I did my studies and I started working and I, I have to say, I feel like almost from the beginning, I kind of knew that I wouldn't 
be doing that alone forever. It really felt like something was missing to me, but I couldn't put my finger on what that was or um, also to be fair or to be uh, more transparent. I would say that in those early years, I didn't really, I didn't really understand how to um, show up and take on or, or be present for all, like a lot of pain. And then like, I didn't know how to take care of myself in that, I would say as well. Could tell a long story about that, but eventually I did my a couple of different yoga teacher trainings. And then, and that was really good and interesting. And then when I finally met Anne and she was doing this yoga therapy, I was like, ah, you know, bring it all together. So that's kind of what happened really. In addition to, I mean, we don't want to decapitate ourselves. So in addition to thinking mm -hmm. about our headspace and your psychology training, what would you say is the added value of the yoga therapy that it brought to you? Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of things to say about that, but I'm thinking right in this, in this moment from like a feminist perspective that it, for me, the, um, the work that I do as a yoga therapist has a lot to do with coming home to our bodies, like just coming home. And in fact, it becomes like, if you think about the roots of yoga as a spiritual practice, that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's about, we don't have to, to like, okay, how do I say this in 50 words or less? There is a tradition, you know, certainly I'm, I'm part of the Christian tradition. And the tradition is that there's a God out there and that we're trying to transcend this mortal world. And we're trying to transcend these mortal bodies. And then there's this other beautiful tradition that is more um, earth-based and um, certainly you know, associated with sort of female energies, I guess, if you think in those terms, that says mm -hmm. you don't have to transcend anything. And in fact, there's nothing wrong with you. In fact, you're beautiful. And in fact, there's a way to draw inwards in, in you know, this imminence, this concept of imminence where you don't have to start, um, you don't have to eat so little as to disappear. Huh. Um, you are not just a head but you have this body, maybe you are this body and you're allowed to carry weight in this world. I just realized that maybe closing my eyes while I listen is a bit antisocial, but I'm drinking that in. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> well, you can close your eyes. You don't have to make eye contact. You don't have to smile. <laughs> Lots to think about, right? Don't worry, she'll be back. Until next time, Shanti, bye. <laughs>